Welcome to another episode of Built on Web 3. Today's episode is a project deep dive where each week Thomas and I chat about a Web 3 project that looks interesting. We're both Web 3 enthusiasts trying to learn as much as we can about companies being built in Web 3. Today we're doing a deep dive on the Web 3 project Ocean Protocol. Thomas, happy wedding week. Happy, happy wedding week. It's a countdown of only a few days. <laughs> you're gonna be, you're gonna have a, a wife, and you're gonna be a husband. In a I week. know. I can't, I can't wait. Just a few more days, so. <laughs> and and you'll have to be giving a speech too. So hopefully oh, yeah. you're practicing. Oh yeah, I've, I've practiced once. I've been told it's good. Oh good. Okay. Cool. Was <laughs> who said it was good? Ava. The Sarah dog? gave me the thumbs up. Oh, Sarah gave you. Okay. Well, okay. Well, in that case, it's good. Yeah. She said it'll get some laughs for sure. Cool. That's what we're going for. Some <laughs> some some giggles. <laughs> um, all right. So today we're talking about Ocean Protocol. Um, so similarly to like we talked about Lens Protocol, this is a protocol. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's not like a piece of software that people use necessarily, but it's like the kind of the substrate of tools that developers can uh, access and utilize uh, to solve something. So what is Ocean Protocol? Mm -hmm. uh, their mission is to kickstart a Web3 data economy that reaches the world, giving power back to data owners and enabling people to capture value from the data, from data to better our world. Uh, so the problem I think, problems I think they're solving is the first is that we just don't inherently feel comfortable sharing data. It's kind of a foreign concept on a personal level of yeah. being willing to share data to other companies rather than mm -hmm. them just taking it. And the second is we don't know the value of that data or how to accurately price it. And as far as I can tell, this is where Ocean Protocol comes in and what they can do. Yeah. Let's go to the first point that you said again because I had some thoughts and then I forgot what they were. Yeah, so that one was just we don't feel comfortable sharing our data. Like in the current world, it's kind of a foreign concept, and companies are just kind of taking it from us rather than us being able to sell it to them or, um, you know, giving them permission to use it. And I think, yeah, you, what you say about like us sharing it, the the kind of nuance between us sharing it or us being not comfortable sharing it versus us giving it because a company's taking it is really interesting because I actually think that we share or companies take way too much of our data and the easiest way to, to relate to that is anytime you do anything at a, like a new vendor or a new thing and you type in the same information over and over and over again and i think we covered a little bit about this with data backpacks mm -hmm. of how we just kind of give this away and every single time we give this data away we're feeding into these companies kind of like data silos that then that just exist in all these different areas. And to the other point you made about what Ocean Protocol does is like, we don't understand what the power of data is, is well, because it's just behind these private walls everywhere. And mm -hmm. yeah, and we, I think we, we don't really, I don't think we fully even understand what data we have because they were even talking about, so what I found interesting is I, I, the founder or one of the people involved in creating it, um, he kept saying that uh, this is our answer to universal basic income. Like they're on it from such a philosophical level that I, like it was shocking to me where mm -hmm. instead of like a government mandating how much money, you know, they can give Take from each, the rich, give to the poor, exactly. everybody gets. Yeah. 
instead Utopia, of that, which you know, there's that's yeah. obviously a very like polarizing issue. It's yep. you know, so that's top down. This is from the bottom up, where like he said, even a couch potato is generating value in the world. Like you're creating biometric data, you're creating health data, and all of that data could be useful to some AI researcher, and you could go yep. and sell it on the ocean marketplace, which I think is cool. But I have, I don't really understand. Like, what data could I sell? But they make it seem like I have enough to sell that I can get universal basic income from it. <laughs> yep. Or, and, and it doesn't sound like it's going to be all your income of what they were saying, but it seems like it's going to be a, like, it'll be a sustainable source of income. And yeah, I think that's the be difference so cool. between the top down versus bottom up, because this is something that we're actually contributing to, because there's um, different layers of it. And I will talk about this later, but the whole, like, you, providing the data, someone analyzing the data, and someone using that data to actually solve a, a, a problem. Um, the most parallel concept, the most parallel thing that's happening today that I saw similar to Ocean was what Apple was doing with the Apple Watches and the data mm. that was being generated by that. Because that too was something that like, hey, we are generating this biometric data. But the thing is, is that Apple kind of controls it through this like kind of black box and only gives it to some researchers maybe. I don't, I don't really know this kind of yeah Yeah, off. I guess they almost did it because they do, they have yep. like the, they have a heart study where you know, I yep. can download this app and opt into this heart study and they're just, you know, mm -hmm. I'm giving them access to all of my health data that's being generated from my Apple Watch and I'm contributing to some study. So I guess yep. it would be that, but I'd be getting paid for it instead of Apple just taking it. You'd be getting paid for it. <laughs> the researchers could be paying for it and getting paid for it, depending on what algorithms they do, because some pharmaceutical can then be using some of those algorithms or something. Mm -hmm. And that could just be flown. So there's money flowing in all these different ways in these like fractional pieces that before would have just been you opting into this data and not even seeing it or knowing it or anything. Yeah. Like well, I guess where would the money come from in that situation? Like if like, let's say this, this Apple watch data heart study situation is using ocean where, mm -hmm. where is the money coming from to buy it? And is that prohibit the study from even happening in the first place? In which case I would volunteer the data. So you can probably volunteer the data, but there's three different flavors that Bruce, one of the co-founders, is talking about this way. The first one was the value of the data, uh, and that's the community saying, hey, this is what the value we think, or maybe the publisher of the data, if you own that data, being like, this is what I think it's worth for this community, but there's consensus as to like what this could be. The second one is analytics of that data. So... Um, people coming together with ideas of like, hey, this is what we can use it for. This is what the um, analytic models could be off of that. And then they could sell. And the other is like challenges. So someone can say like, hey, I think that your data can help me solve X problem. And this is the bounty or this is what I'm willing to pay for it. Mm -hmm. And one of the neat concepts was that this can open up the... Um, appropriate context for data because the same and Bruce, one of the co-founders gave this example of the hedge fund manager and the researcher, the hedge fund manager might be able to make $10 million off of 
some models and, and so forth. And so this data and this data analytics on top of it might be worth a million dollars to him. So he, that's what he'd be willing to pay for because mm-hmm. of that. But then this researcher, they might think that like, hey, I don't have $10 million, but I can pay $100 for it. And they can still kind of do, because this researcher doing this data for this heart study might say this, hedge fund manager might mm-hmm. say that. Yeah, but so I guess with the heart study thing, if they're getting the data for free right now, mm-hmm. how would who would be paying for it in a situation where oh, my data is being collected and sold on Ocean? That's what I can't figure out. Like, would would this prohibit from a huge study like that from being done? It could be. Maybe, but you'd still have to opt into it either way. Like you opted in for it for free. For sure. So I guess you could opt in and, but they could say like, Hey, if this data actually is useful for us to create X type of treatment, yeah, you could get a royalty similar to the whole, when we were talking about Royal, remember, Mm -hmm. was it Royal? Was it something else? But the whole like song, like, Hey, from the stream, you get paid like X. Hmm. I mean, maybe that's the way. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, what were some analogies that you came across? So one that I came across was a simple one um, where Ocean Protocol is like Airbnb, but instead of houses, mm-hmm. it's data sets where you can go and stay in house A, B, or C, but you're, you personally have some little things that you're looking for. Um, you, you might really want a hot tub or you might really want this. So within those data sets, you can say like, oh, I really value this thing. And so... It's just a marketplace to buy data sets. I, I didn't fully grasp some of these concepts, but one of them was like the infinite ways in which data sets could actually be split up. Um, they could like sell data sets by like, hey, the first 10 seconds of this data can be sold here. The second mm. set sold like there, or you give universal rights to it now, but maybe the some data is much more valuable in the immediate sense versus a week later, it's worth nothing um, for like trading pieces maybe. or Yeah. It's, it's definitely sure. hard to wrap my mind around too. Cause it's just, it's like, it's literally a new, almost a new asset class. Like they keep saying data as an asset. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I don't, and as normal people, we don't interact with data sets, right? It's, the biggest data set we interact with is like the financials of our company. That's like, that's it. Yep. So it's hard to imagine like, or something like that. Like will you and I be going on this marketplace and buying data sets? I don't, I don't see how that's going to work. To me, it seems like this is AI researchers that need data for algorithms. And that, that makes sense to me. That seems like a very easy use case. The interesting thing could be as like AI evolves of maybe AI soliciting and being like, hey, for us to, for me, the AI to build better uh, analytics, AI being like, hey, this is the type of bounty I need for that. AI is putting out automatic bounties. Yeah, that could be, that would be kind of wild. And then AI is working with AIs, that would be kind of. Yeah, that would Maybe be crazy. That's like twenty years. Yeah, yeah, basically, an AI is working on something, and it's recognized that it needs this type of data, and so it puts a bounty out for that type of data. 
automatically mm-hmm. and the humans don't even know why because the ai is building its own algorithm for whatever problem it's solving <laughs> yeah this is how the world gets taken over for sure by computers yeah. well um, there's been a lot of talk about ai recently um like uh, vitalik buterin went to silicon valley i think two weeks ago to check out like the advancements mm-hmm. in ai and he there was this good interview on bankless where he always thought that the singularity was going to happen in like 2050 or 2060 or something. And all these mm-hmm. lead AI people are like, no, 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 this is, this is going to happen in the next decade. Like the, the advancements are so crazy right now that it's going to be like 10 years, like before 2030. Wow. Which is scary. That'd be wild. What, uh, what's the singularity? Like when, um, AI, I think it technically it's when AI surpasses like human cognition or something. Um, but Ugh. all of the AI leaders out there, at least according to Vitalik in his conversations, he said they're very optimistic that it's not like the doomsday scenario where, you know, like mm-hmm. the Elon always talks about. They they seem pretty optimistic about how it's going to be rolled out and how it's going to happen. Oh. But who knows? I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> glad that they're optimistic that they're like, oh, yeah. yeah. Vitalik was <laughs> pessimistic. Vitalik was like, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> he was like, my gut is to just be very... Uh, cognizant and uh, uh what's the word i'm looking for not just believing uh, it aware um um skeptical uh, skeptical yep yeah uh, anyway. maybe trust but definitely verify <laughs> yes. yeah yeah uh there was did you come across the um so one of the things i i came across was how and I think it was Bruce that was also mentioning this in one of the many interviews, but it was with MasterCard. Mm. Um, the example was about MasterCard and how MasterCard currently sells their data and mm. they sell it to a select few people. And hypothetically, let's say that data is worth a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, but what if they actually put it on ocean? Well, in this particular scenario, then all of a sudden the, like the infinite number of different contexts that this data could be used for, is again infinite and there's just thousands of different ways and so all of a sudden the billion dollars that we we're making before off of just these select few players could now be worth 10 billion dollars mm-hmm. or maybe even more because they have millions and thousands of more different people actually using it in different ways that they didn't know so the interesting point from there i was thinking is like wow like MasterCard, all these other Web2 companies, I think are going to be, you know, we talk about the eventual doomsday of them just kind of going away, being overtaken by Web3. It could be interesting how Ocean and how their prevalence of being these data hoarders could actually be their like saving grace Mm. into the future because they have this infrastructure of all this historical data, but also the infrastructure in place to collect the data for the future as well. Yeah, and for something like MasterCard, you might think, well, why would they want to expose all of this data and to sell it to people? And it's a financial incentive Mm -hmm. is what it sounds like. But what Ocean Mm -hmm. also allows you to do is you um, they call it compute to data, so mm-hmm. they could sell this data and allow AI researchers to run algorithms against it without exposing any of the raw data. So they're not even exposing the you know personal identifiable information um, that they probably are doing with their other uh, customers that they're selling they're the data for. <laughs> selling this, yeah, yep, yeah, which could be cool because then 
this got me thinking a little bit about what we talked about before at some point, like zero knowledge mm-hmm. as well. Um, I thought that was a kind of parallel to that, but the other piece was, um, yeah, they have this like, yeah, this privacy firewall yep. essentially that you with the data can actually choose that. Hey, like you can have 100% of the rights to this data and just be what they're literally probably doing right now. Or it's, you just get to run things on top of it. Yeah, it will be cool if Elon actually buys Twitter. He could, in theory, put the Twitter fire hose on ocean, and, oh, and AI yes. researchers could then pay yes. and get an NFT to have yes. access to that Twitter fire hose, but with this firewall, so they're not actually exposing any data, and they can run algorithms and figure out really, really good search algorithms and um, feed algorithms that then could be applied to like lens protocol stuff. Yep. But even better. Oh yeah. So that'd be cool because yeah, you're like, you're saying you could apply it to lens, you could apply it to D so you could apply it to whatever. They're like these things are just transformed even better though. I was thinking he could put this on ocean and put out a bounty for who can create the best bot tracker, yeah. bot killer. Spin, yeah. And all of a sudden, he is not focusing only on the people within the Twitter organization and SpaceX and, and, and so forth, but he's crowdsourced mm-hmm. it everywhere. Which is what he's all about. I love this idea. We need Elon to do this. <laughs> yeah, that'd be really cool. Um, you know, what was a funny concept that came up with is I thought about, because he liked collecting baseball cards and stuff way back when, probably Pokemon <laughs> too. Um I did a little bit of Pokemon. Don't really remember any of it or what the meaning of it was, but I thought it was going to be cool to have in the future. I bet there will be super niche, niche, uh, like data collectors of something uh, that'll be analogous and parallel to the baseball collectors mm-hmm. of today. Mm-hmm. I think that that yeah, because they do have data NFTs. So technically, you can, which I don't fully understand, but technically, you can have some data NFT in your wallet that you can collect and sell. Mm-hmm. When, uh, Bruce yeah. had a comment too in one of the interviews where he said, maybe one day a data set will be publicly traded, and maybe one day a data set will be worth more than a billion dollars. And I just thought that like it's so hard to even imagine that world. I don't even know what that would look like, but that is a thing that might be what, possible now. What do you think that would be? Like, do you think that that would be like the Twitter fire hose for a day in time? A billion dollars is a lot. No, I mean, I think it would have to be like, oh, they could sell for more than if you collected, let's say, a year's worth of Twitter data. All of their the data. The company's not worth that much. Company, I mean, he's buying it for. I guess it is like fifty billion or something right now. Uh, I could say a year's worth of data is worth more than a billion dollars. There, it's worth thirty-eight billion. Like, yeah, okay. Silly thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, but maybe something like the global, like if everyone was wearing an Apple Watch and all of that data was in a singular data set, like the global health data for billions mm-hmm. of people, that'd probably be worth a lot. Yeah, or financial. That'd actually, data be pretty cool to in today's. Especially, you wouldn't be able to do this on any of the Android devices, just because they would collect your data, regardless of you saying <laughs> yes or no. But on the Apple, in theory, uh, watches, it'd be it'd be cool if someone created an an Apple Watch app um, where you can 
collect your data and then just it, it immediately integrates mm-hmm. into Ocean Protocol. Yeah, piece. like a bridge between HealthKit and Ocean. Yep. My guess is that there is some sort of app store restriction that does not allow that to happen. <laughs> it's probably the, yes, this app now. does not have enough useful features. I remember we've gotten rejected for that before. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Um, what, did you understand what the whole thing was with Ocean Protocol and the 51%? So they, they so they like reserve fifty one percent is release for, but do they control? I, that I vaguely like understand this. I didn't dive into it, but from what I heard, mm-hmm. they reserve fifty one percent of the ocean tokens, and the ocean tokens are mm-hmm. used um, in the system to buy and sell data sets. Um, they reserve fifty one percent that I think are for in, incentives. So. It's kind of like Ethereum where, or in Bitcoin, like proof of work, proof of stake, where by doing this work, you're, you're given an incentive, you're given a reward. So in this case, for the, mm-hmm. the, um, the users that are curators or stakers or um, data consumers, data providers, data keepers, all these people are doing stuff. And I think this, I mm-hmm. think this 51% reserve is what's rewarding them for doing it. Gotcha. And so this is probably what they meant by the 51% being used for all that like yield farming. Yeah, and the data farming. Because they could use it as a yield and then they bring it back as a, for more bounties and kind of have this like closed cycle. Yeah, something, I do something. not understand yield farming or what they're doing is data farming. I don't get it. Um, they said ecosystem of consuming data with all of the actors involved. Um for the notes that I wrote down is it's just a, it's a long-term incentive, so you can like stake money, and that does provides liquidity to data sets somehow. Um, stakers mm-hmm. can put up their ocean behind a data set. Data scientists can post bounties, and people will go find the data set for them. All that is under their data farming thing, uh, but that's mm-hmm. where my knowledge ends. That's cool. Um, another concept that came up was how they kept on saying, and we said this already a few times that data is being hoarded by a select few actors, by a select few companies right now, meaning that they control, um, all of this. And what comes about from it is this anti-competitiveness where there are so many different companies that control everything and then all us other normal folk and smaller companies that literally can't because we don't have access to this data. And it's funny how these capitalistic engines created these anti-competitive almost engines as well. But it's cool to see this capitalistic model be applied into actually being anti-anti-competitive mm-hmm. in a way because it's more like holistic. So I thought that was cool because sometimes capitalism, though, you know, I'm a big believer, it it can have like its downfalls and anti, being anti-competitive is just a natural thing. Like why would Twitter want to, why would Facebook want to release all this data that they have when it can really help them make more money to then collect more data mm-hmm. and so forth? And so in one way, yes, it's definitely bad, but in one way it's also good because they, you need to make money somehow, yeah. and it does good in the but world. Then this actually because like because sci- scientists can things. can build better algorithms. Yeah, 
And then this kind of gives that financial or that economic model for it to actually mm-hmm. come about. So as much as Ocean Protocol is a protocol for sharing data, it's also that economic, you know, marketplace yep. too. So that helped me understand that piece of yep, it for definitely. sure. And now that we've done a few of these project uh, deep dive things, like we always try to find the business model. I'm curious if you found it. I did find it. I found that they take 0.3% mm-hmm. of each transaction, yep. whatever that so, means. So yeah, um, my guess, you, you probably yeah, know so if her. I go on and buy a data set where you, you use the ocean token to buy that data set. Mm-hmm. So I would assume that 0.3% of that transaction goes right to the protocol um, and to the, that company that's you know managing all of this ocean protocol. And 99.7% goes to everyone else that's orchestrating this transaction. Speaking of MasterCard, they should take a page yeah. out of Ocean's playbook <laughs> Point here. three is nothing. Uh, and, and Apple, too. <laughs> yeah. Point three, I feel like, seriously, if a company, like you say 3% is, you know, not a lot. In the grand scheme of things, it does actually come out to be a lot. Because if a profit, a company's profit margins are 5 10 20%, even at 20%, 3% is huge. Mm-hmm. That's 15% of their total profit margin, but 0.3%, like, wow, talk about the efficiency and scale of like, why wouldn't you use this? And so, yeah, yeah, Apple just came out and said that they're allowing NFTs to be bought and sold on the app store again. Oh, but by the way, you have to take 30% cut of that and give it to Apple. (laughs) Ocean is saying 0.3. This is huge. (laughs) Yeah. 30% is, Yeah. I was so happy when I heard that. They gave me faith for sure. And yeah, a good chunk of humanity here. Um, So yeah, I think it's a great business model. And I think, you know, we're starting to learn like what, okay, what does it mean to have a protocol and what is the business model? In this case, it's very simple. It's just a cut of the transactions. Mm -hmm. A very small cut. Yep. Well, and if they say, if they're looking for like a billion dollar, um, billion yeah, dollar point three percent of that publicly traded uh i think it's 30 million right double check my math but i think so um but if we're talking about this being done over and over and over and over again um you're like you can still have a really big company that's taken just 0.3 mm-hmm. percent stuff i think it's three million is it times point zero zero three? Yeah, yeah, three million. Three million. Still a lot. Okay. Yeah, because that's you're just because your it's example is just money. one data set. That's a billion dollars worth of transactions. Yep. Yep. That, yeah, I, that'll add up very quickly, especially when you have more than a billion dollars of transactions done every single yep. day. You're starting to get up there. Yeah. So I'm not sure how. That's very cool like we could get involved in ocean other than maybe this data farming thing, but I never understood yield farming. So that scares me a little bit. Um, but it seems like that's Mm -hmm. unless you're a a data scientist an AI researcher or someone who has access to a lot of data that could be sold at least right now, I don't really see many ways to being involved productively in this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, we could just be data collectors. Yeah. For now. Whatever, whatever that means. <laughs> but I will say this, I mean, this seems like kind of like a base layer technology that theoretically will be used by everybody. Like I, 
I am looking forward to the day that we could sell our personal data, whatever that is that we're creating every day. If a couple of mid-sized companies start, if there's like a thousand mid-sized companies that start using this, um, and we're talking companies making between like a hundred million to like a billion dollars in revenue, that will, I think that'll start making a dent because it'll unlock and kind of create this co-creator. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and I think they're really cool. smart with the bounties. Like that's the only way to do this, right? Is by someone saying, yep. I will pay for this data. Someone go find this for me. And then the incentive is for you mm -hmm. to go find this data for them because you'll get paid for it. So I think that was really smart to do. Yep. Yeah. There'll be businesses just around that. There'll be businesses around cleaning up mm -hmm. the data, making sense of it. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of cool things here. This, you know what? Um, ID's, uh, my to be father in law and brother in law, um, very into sports. Um, and they were just actually kind of making fun of Denver because I guess the Denver team got traded that one player and then Seattle Seahawks got, like, um, I don't know, <laughs> a lot of good benefits from it. I don't yeah. know. I don't know anything about this, but I know that Denver got like what seemed at first, like the, uh, the, the advantage. Now it seems like the thing is flipped because the guy is like um, getting surgery oh. or whatnot. It's going to be kind of a useless player. Um, but I was thinking about like all this data that went into making this decision. This it would be cool how this can transform the mm -hmm. world of sports and stuff because maybe if you know these players start you know, publicly sharing their data with like athletes yeah. or other things, yeah, you can build cool. AI researchers could build some algorithms on top of NFL, you know, player data. That'd be cool. Yeah. So sweet. That's all I got. Another good project deep dive project deep dive done